the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're going to start our study in Philippians, and I'm excited about the revelation of Christ that He will bring forth in that letter. The thing you got to remember about going through the Bible, particularly going through the letters of Paul, there's two things you have to remember, and that is context and inspiration. Where's Paul coming from? What is Paul? Is it Paul speaking, or is it the Holy Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? I'm going to say the words Paul, and I'm going to talk about what the letter that Paul wrote, but the emphasis is this. This is the Spirit of God speaking to the children of God. And I might mention Philippi. I might mention the Ephesians. I might mention Corinth. But it is the Spirit of God speaking to the children of God. Now, we're going to begin with the great tradition because I only plan to make it through the first two verses. But we'll see what God does with it. He may have other plans. And just remember that our goal is not to get through another book of the Bible. Our goal is to be intimate with Christ through His Word. Our goal is a person. We don't need to know any more about Jesus. Knowing about Him never will never deliver you of anything. Isn't that right? Have you ever been delivered by what you know about Him? If you've been delivered, you've been delivered by a person, haven't you? The person of Jesus Himself. There's nothing that the presence or the nearness of the very life of Christ will not heal in you. You know, Jesus spoke to the Pharisees in John chapter 5, verse 39, and He said to them, You search and investigate and pour over the Scriptures diligently because you suppose and trust that you have eternal life through them. And these very Scriptures testify about Me. They knew all about the Messiah, but they didn't know Jesus. Our knowledge about Him is not life. Life is a person. It's Jesus. John 14.6, which we've read many times. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's in our life, and we're going to give testimony of that in Philippians. Let's start at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm reading out Amplified, so don't get confused. 
Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, to all the saints, God's consecrated people in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with bishops, overseers, and deacons, assistants. Now we know that Paul wrote this letter from prison, and it's supposed that it was written from Rome. The beginning of the letter, in its context, is pretty much a traditional greeting. But it's rich in truth. Very rich in truth because of its perspective and because of the anointing of the author. Note that Paul, at the very beginning of this, we're going to take it bit by bit, but note at the very beginning of this verse that it says, Paul and Timothy. Paul puts Timothy on equal footing with himself here. Now, Paul is a recognized apostle. He's been appointed by Christ himself, anointed and called by Christ himself in a miraculous personal appointment. And Timothy is a boy in comparison, a son of a Greek with no official recognition save Paul's affection for him. But Paul starts out by putting him on the same ground, which brings us to the simple truth that the ground in front of the cross is level. There is no high or low, that we all enter the same way. 1 Corinthians 12.13 says, For by means of personal agency of one Holy Spirit, we were all, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all baptized by baptism, united together into one body, and all made to drink of one Holy Spirit. We stand in unity, not in separation. But I want you to see the greater truth that Paul is demonstrating here. What he's demonstrating is you're free from comparison. Now listen, I've been around religious circles a long time. And you want to know where comparison has a stronghold? Look at religion. But you know what? We as human beings in our human selves are raised on comparison. We learn to act and behave. We learn what's good and what's bad by looking around and comparing what we have. And we think we've attained based on the people who have what we want. When we get what they have, we will have attained. And when we get more than they have, we will have arrived. But here's the neat thing. That Jesus Christ freed us from comparison. We no longer define life by the comparisons of the people around us. By looking at other people. We don't say our kids are bad because their kids are good. We don't say I've got an ugly wife because he's got a beautiful one. We don't say that I have, I'm poor because he is rich. We no longer stand in the comparisons that the world stands in. Because we are not of this world. We are complete in Christ. And there is only one standard. It's Jesus himself, and because of the grace and the person of Christ, where we stand is the best and the purposeful ground that the Holy Spirit has planted us in. We are free from comparison. And Paul doesn't stand there and put himself in a higher position than Timothy, though he could have. He's saying that your life is unique in its expression, but not in its standing before God. Your life is uniquely loved, but so is everybody in the body of Christ. We're equally worthy. 1 Corinthians 8.3 says, But if one loves God truly with affectionate reference, prompt obedience, and grateful recognition of His blessing, he is known by God, recognized as worthy of His intimacy and love, and he is owned by Him. 
We are equally righteous. Romans 8.30 says, And those whom He does support ordained, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with Himself. And those whom He justified, He also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. You see, Paul doesn't see himself as spiritually superior. He's standing in a heavenly dignity that is shared by Timothy. And that's what we stand in. You know, the world is grappling for dignity, looking for some sense of uh, uniqueness, some sense of belonging, some sense of identity, and God has given the Christian a heavenly dignity by virtue of his identity in Christ. We don't have to live out of comparison. We can stand on the ground and in the peace that we are worthy and equally worthy. You're as worthy as Billy Graham ever was. You know that? You're righteous. You're as righteous as Paul was. Because both Billy Graham and Paul stood in the same place. They stood in the worthiness of the Son of God, in the righteousness of the Son of God. Paul doesn't see himself as being spiritually superior to Timothy. He sees them as being together, jointly serving one master. Because together, he calls them, he says, we are bondservants of Jesus Christ. Now the Greek word there for bondservant is doulos, which means slave. And in the age where Paul lived in, if you were a slave, there were only two ways to be free. One was that your master would set you free, which little hope of that happening. And the other was death. Now Paul, like the rest of us, was born into slavery, into slavery of sin, into slavery of this fleshly identity, into slavery in this world being separated from God. The Word says that we were slaves to sin. We were under sin's dominion. But we have been freed, Paul was freed from sin's dominion by death, by Christ's death. He died with Christ. And he was set free from slavery to sin by the death of Christ. And now Paul's a new creation. He's born into a new and joyous love relationship with his master. And I say it's a love relationship. 1 Corinthians 7.22-23 through 23 talks about how each should respond in his station. And Paul's addressing the people of Corinth and he says, For he who as a slave was summoned into union with the Lord Jesus, with Lord with the Lord is a freed man of the Lord. His identity has changed. He has received heavenly dignity. Just so he was free when he was called is a bond servant of Christ. If you were free and you were called of him, now you are a bond servant of Christ. And being a bond servant is different than being a slave. A bond servant is held by love. A slave is held by chains. Paul declares himself a bondservant of Christ. Paul is now in union with his master, and Paul's life can't be separated from his master's, even by death, because theirs is an an eternal union. Paul shared Christ's death, and that freed him, and now he shares Christ's life, and that gives him liberty and living. In sharing the death and in sharing the life, we illustrate Galatians 2.20. 
which says, I have been crucified with Christ. In Him I shared His crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adherence to and reliance on complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Now listen to this. A bondservant is more than just having his life. Do you understand that? We all as Christians have his life, but it doesn't mean that we're bondservants. A bondservant is different than having his life. A bondservant is entering into his life. A bondservant is living. It is a surrendering of the will. It is, a, it is yielding to the truth of who you are in Christ. It is being centered on living out the truth within you. It means that every function and every purpose of your life has its center and its source in Christ. And you live in that reality. I don't mean that you can make that a conscious choice 24-7, because we just live life, don't we, a lot of us? Don't we just get up and go? But it is a constant determination where we get up and say, Today my life is yours, Lord. No matter what happens, no matter what I enter into, I am your bondservant. I have yielded and I have nailed myself to you in the bonds of love. I will never walk alone because I am your bondservant. I will never operate out of my strength because I'm your bondservant. I will never act in my own selfish interest because I'm your bondservant. I am walking in the truth of my identity in you. That's a bondservant. Oh, you can be in Christ. That doesn't mean that you're a bondservant. Paul says we're bondservants. We've surrendered our will to the will of Christ. Our life is in Him and nowhere else. And also notice this in Galatians 2.20. He says, It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body... I want you to notice something about that. That's an address. That's not an identity. The life that I now live in the body, that's just where He's at. That's not who He is. Being a bondservant is completely yielding yourself over to Him. Colossians 3, verses 3 and 4 says, For as far as the world is concerned, you have died, and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. doesn't mean that it's hidden where no one can find it. That's not what he's saying. It doesn't mean that it's hidden where no one will ever see it. That's not what he's saying either. What he is saying is that it is hidden in Christ, in God, in the truth that you will not, on this side of heaven, see the full revelation of it, number one. And number two, nobody can take it from you. It is protected. It is kept. It is placed within Him. It will never be taken. You can't even get rid of it. You can remove it from your thinking, but you can't remove it from your life. It is hidden with Christ in God. Now that's just verse 3. But when, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, we don't have any other life. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in the splendor of His glory. In other words, when His life appears, you will be part of His life. The revelation of Christ will be the revelation of you. You are what? The body, right? 
the body of Christ, the revelation of Christ is your revelation. You will appear with Him. Our union with Christ is not dependent upon a weak or frail or deteriorating body of flesh. It's dependent upon a greater truth. Paul declares that his and Timothy's union with Christ is in their devotion, but in their lives bound with Him, in union with Him, and their commitment is as a bondservant that they have given themselves over to Him, and that union and that service has nothing to do with with the strength or the standing or the name of Paul. If it did, Paul would have elevated himself in the beginning of the letter above Timothy. If the strength and the standing of who they were and what they were bringing to the table had anything to do with Paul's standing, he would have put Timothy down here. He says, I, Paul, the apostle, come before you and my associate, Timothy, and my servant, Timothy. But no... He came before them and he says, Timothy and I, or Paul and Timothy, putting them on equal footing, saying this, that our standing is not in who I am. Our standing is in this. What did he declare his standing to be in? Bond servants in where? In Christ. Our standing is in our relationship with Christ. Paul continues in verse 1, he says, To all the saints, God's consecrated people in Christ Jesus. And if you look at that word saint, remember that Paul used it in his greeting in Ephesians, and he uses it repeatedly. And the reason he uses it in the greeting primarily is that he wants you to understand who you are before he ever addresses any other issue. He wants you to know who you are in Christ. Do you realize that everything the Holy Spirit wants to show you in Scriptures is only relevant to who you are in Christ? You see, the the Word of God wasn't written to aliens or to people who were separated from God. It was written to God's people. It only has relevance to who you are in Christ. Now, that's why it's so important for you to understand who you are in Christ. Because if you don't know the truth of who you are in Christ, this whole book is out of context. Does that make sense? Some of you have come into the reality that Christ is your life. Some of you have come into the reality you're at the beginning and you've just embraced the truth that you are totally forgiven, that that's not a a progressive process, that you have been totally redeemed. And some of you have come into the reality that Christ is your life in union with you, living out through you day by day, and that sanctification is part of your life. You've come into that truth, but you've only come into that truth in the context of who you are in Christ. And you know what? Many of you have testified to me that the Bible just seems different now. That suddenly you understand all of this stuff. Or at least a good bit of it that you didn't understand. Suddenly it makes sense. Suddenly all of those commandments become promises and you understand that the life of Christ in you has fulfilled everyone. Everyone. Is fulfilled in Christ. How else are they fulfilled? The Pharisees couldn't fulfill them, then you don't have a ghost of a chance. And even if you could, you wouldn't be righteous. Because the only way for you to be righteous is to be born again in truth. Recognize who you are in Christ. You are saints. That's not just a title, it's not a pet name, it's a truth, it's a reality, and it's not based on behavior, but on birth. 
Now listen to this. The word saint in its translation is a translated word from the Greek which means to set apart. The Greeks used to set apart buildings for temples for religious and non-religious use. But it means to set apart. 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells you the truth of you being set apart. It says, Do you not discern... Do you not discern and understand that the whole church at Corinth, he's talking to the Corinthians, are God's temple, His sanctuary, that God's Spirit has His permanent dwelling in you, to be at home in you collectively as a church and individually? You are set aside to be a place, not just a dwelling place, but a cohabitation It says that the Spirit of God may make His home with you. And it's used almost the reason the the Amplified takes takes it to that step is because it's talking about something a whole lot more intimate than a border. When he says the Spirit of God wants to make His home with you, what he's literally saying is that you are at home with the Spirit of God. That's where the temple is. The dwelling place of God. Are you at home with who you are? Are you at home with the Spirit of God? Are you home with the presence of God in your life? Or do you get near to Him like you get into a bathtub of cold water? Little at a time. Begrudgingly almost. You know that God didn't intend for that relationship to be cold. He intended for it to be home. To be safe. And for you to recognize that you are His home. You are His place. That He brings rest to you. That He brings safety to you. That He brings hope to you. The significance of a building is not in its structure, but in its purpose or its use. You've been set apart by God for love, for holiness, for sanctification. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, For it is He who delivered us and saved us and called us with a calling in itself holy and leading to holiness, to a life of consecration, a vocation of holiness. He did it, not because of anything of merit that we have done, but because and to further His own purpose and grace unmerited favor which He has given us in Christ Jesus before the world began eternal ages ago. Now the other thing that Paul says in his greeting is to all the saints in Christ Jesus. So where do the saints reside? In Christ Jesus. And where do we find fulfillment in who we are? In Christ Jesus. And where can we find a relevance that never diminishes? In Christ Jesus. You see, that little word in there tells it all. It specifies location. And the verse could literally be translated like this. It says, we are saints, that's our identity, in the sphere of Christ. We are saints in the sphere of Christ. We are in Christ, that's where our lives are, and there's no life for us anywhere else. You see, everywhere else is just existence. And you know, to the degree we're frustrated with life is to the degree we've been content to exist in parts and areas of our living. Because God never called us to an existence. He called us to a life. And to the degree that we've yielded to that life and lived, that we have co-lived that life with Him, we've been fulfilled. 
to the degree that we've allowed separation to enter into our relationship with Him and begin to set aside what we set aside our relationship with Him and live this way here and this way there. We just exist in those areas. Do you live in Christ at church and just exist at home? Is that the church's fault? God said, I want you to have life. I want you to have life in your living. Living encompasses every heartbeat. And it goes even further. It goes straight out into eternity. But the whole purpose of us being in this world, being on this temporal planet, is that we might learn to live. He gave us life. And living is greater than understanding. Living is greater than knowledge. Living is greater than religious superiority. Living is greater than the, than the acclaim of men or the acclaim of religious leaders. Living was what Christ did. And He did it apart from anything that man could offer Him. He had bread that they knew not of because He was living life out of a different sphere, out of the sphere of His Father. Where are you living life? What sphere are you living in? Has life taught you that there's only one source from which you can draw life? If it hasn't, it will. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 says, Yet for us there is only one God, the Father, who is the source of all things and for whom we have life. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.